You are about to listen to Where Your Treasure Is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note, the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening. Hello and welcome to the Where Your Treasure Is podcast, where we explore how Christians can be faithful and effective in the way that they handle money and deal with financial questions and challenges that come along in life. In this first episode, we're going to be looking at what money is and why it matters to understand what it is and how it works. My name is Bex Elder and I am here to just fire questions at my wonderful and more knowledgeable co-host Simon Glazier, who is an experienced and award-winning financial advisor with Stewardship Wealth and so definitely has the knowledge, understanding and experience to make sense of some of the tricky financial challenges that we face. So Simon, are you looking forward to today? How are you feeling about tackling the challenge of explaining what money is? Bex, I I love the way you've positioned that, tackling the challenge. I feel as though I'm kind of uh, the target for all these difficult questions you're going to throw at me and expect me to come up with wonderful, erudite and knowledgeable answers. Uh, So I'm well up for the challenge. I'm hoping that uh, these podcasts will be a bit of a toing and froing between you and I, throw some questions, throw some answers, see where it takes us, and hopefully not go too far off track during uh, the conversation. But you're right, this fundamental underlying understanding of money, what it is and how it works, it seems like too simple a question, but hey, let's grapple with that today and, and see what we get to. Absolutely. I feel so often our conversations are me throwing money-based questions at you. So at least this time, more people than just me are getting to hear the answers. So my understanding of money is really that it's something that we have made up as humans. So rather than kind of bartering where we're exchanging things, money doesn't necessarily have any value in itself, but is rather used um, for transactions and is dependent on people agreeing that it can be used for a set value for something. Is that right? Am I completely off track? I think that's a great basic explanation. Um, If you look back at the history, and there's there's lots of information about this, all sorts of things have been used for money in the past. And I'm thinking now, let's say, for example, gold. Gold's a great example because it kind of has transcendent value. You could grab some gold somewhere, carry it somewhere else, and it still seems to have value. People want to get hold of it. And certainly, if you think about the context of our our podcast, where your treasure is, treasure, the idea of a pot of gold or buried treasure, gold coins, even pieces of eight in pirate terminology, feel like this concept of of money. And if we we briefly look at, let's say, the idea of the Bible, we know that money's been around for uh, 2,000 years and more. Um, We hear different types of money being mentioned in the Bible. Money then is, is, yes, it's a human construct shall we say. We don't really see many animals creating a medium of exchange in the same way. I'm I'm sure there'll be some um, experts out there who will will jump in and and make some certain points. But let's talk about a couple of the basics of money and certainly money in our modern society. If I was to say to you, Bex, that money is a medium of exchange, would that make sense to you? I think so. So, From what I understand, you give me money and I give you something in return. Pretty much. But of course, 
where did that money come in from in the first place? How did I get that money? I must have done something to get the money first of all. So it's this almost intermediary in that basic traditional we'll say bartering process. I can do something and I can earn money. And you can do something and earn money. And maybe you and I meet at some point and I want what you've got or you want what I've got. And we we use money as this bargaining tool, this medium of exchange so that I get what I want and you get what you want. Because it isn't always the case that I can go to one person and get all the things I want. Remember that money was invented long before supermarkets and certainly long before Amazon, other shops are available. And so the the modern version of money, and actually we're seeing money still developing in the way that we use it over time. So whilst maybe to begin with, it was a gold coin, it was physical. You actually could do something with that coin. You could turn it into jewelry, for example, something precious. But I'll tell you what, if you went into your wallet just now, if you still have a wallet or a purse, and if you still had some cash and pulled out a £10 note, you can't do much with that £10 note. You can't eat it. You can't make a house out of it. You can't really burn it for fuel. It wouldn't last very long. And so what you've got is this piece of paper that somebody somewhere else will accept in exchange for a product, maybe some food or some fuel or a service. You know, I'll I'll mow your lawn or I'll clean your windows. And so we have a concept now of money being a promise. So what do you understand by that, Bex, that, you know, the, the money says, I promise to pay the bearer £10. What is this promise that money is based on, in your opinion? Well, it's an interesting one because I don't know what would happen if I walked into a bank and said, hey, you promised me £10 on this sheet of paper. Can I have it, please? And I suppose by the very means of it becoming a medium of exchange, I just accept that that promise is valid. Basically, yeah. It's a societal construct. It used to be you could walk into a bank with a bank note and exchange it for coins, shall we say, of some kind of physical value, whether they're made of copper or gold or something else. doesn't happen anymore. So the idea of a promise is everybody kind of agrees that money has value. It only has value because we all agree that it does. And so our society almost, and certainly the modern consumer society, is built upon a promise. And if that promise would ever break down, I don't know what would happen. But let's talk about money more recently. Money has stopped being physical and is now predominantly digital. I'm not talking about the kind of cryptocurrencies, digital currencies like Bitcoin. I'm talking about the fact that you know you almost never see a pile of money. You might see your bank statement. You might see a bill or an invoice. You might pay by debit card or credit card. Money is just moving around between people's accounts. It has become a collection of of bytes in a computer somewhere. And this creates other problems in terms of our understanding of money and actually our attitude to and appreciation of money. Have, Have you found that personally, how your use of money has changed maybe over the past five or 10 years? Absolutely. Um, I know when I first set up my first real bank account as I was going to uni and I automatically got given an overdraft and I was like, oh, this is really nice to the bank. They're giving me extra money. Great. And because I feel like at that point, I didn't really understand the value of money and I certainly didn't want to restrict my spending based on how much money I did or didn't have. 
I made full use of that overdraft until the day came when I realized I actually had to pay that back um, or else it'd be in debt. And I think so often the fact that money is this fluid concept, that it's difficult to grasp what it really means and that we live in such a society that's driven by if I spend more money, I'll be happier. If I have this thing, then life will be perfect. It can be incredibly easy to kind of fall into that trap or to not even understand how to begin to navigate it. So how do we kind of get a grip when it feels like it's quite a slippery concept? So I think one of the founding principles is education. I mean, I certainly didn't grow up in an education system which taught me how to use money. It was probably my parents uh, and, and their guidance on the use of money. And it was my experience of seeing my siblings use money as well that began to build some of the foundational principles, which then follow on into later life. I think everybody is in a similar position, but therefore the quality almost of your childhood experiences of money can really impact you in later life. And you gave a fantastic example there. You know, I remember going to university and for the first time ever being offered not only an overdraft, but even a credit card. And it takes an awful lot of self-discipline to look at these offers that are being made to you by financial institutions like banks, like credit card providers, and putting your almost commercial hat on of thinking, why would they do this? What is the benefit to them of them offering me this money? Now, we'll park that for now. That's going to be one of our future sessions, Bex, really on that early life stage of understanding money. But you also pointed out a really valid point around the emotion of money and, and the value of money. Now, what do I mean by the value of money? Money intrinsically has a value. One pound is worth one pound. Well, yes, it is. But I would argue that more so, it's what you do with money that kind of creates a perception of value. For some people, money doesn't really have value. It's a thing that they get and they get rid of very quickly. They earn it, they spend it, they're given it, they give it away. For other people, money becomes intrinsically something of value. They want more. They feel that having lots of it is good. I'm not saying that having lots of money is a bad thing, but emotionally, it can begin to drive very bad habits in us. And it's one of the things that the Bible speaks massively about time and time and time again, our habits and attitudes towards money. So I'm going to throw a, a spot question at you, Bex. Can you think of a Bible verse, a Bible story, a parable, which teaches about mankind's attitude towards money, good or bad? Are you up for that? What do you think? I'm so up for that. The one that immediately came to my mind was the rich young ruler and how he says to Jesus, you know, how can I follow you? And Jesus says, you've got to give up everything and come and follow me. And he kind of sits there for a minute and he goes, I can't do that and ends up walking away. And it's so challenging, isn't it? Because what would we do if Jesus said to us, you've got to give up everything? Would we be willing to put our trust in him or not? Or are we actually too attached to that physical security we feel that money can bring us? Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned that thing of trust. For so many people, their confidence is based upon money or maybe money and possessions. Their security is, well, I've got an income from a job and I've got a house and I've got a car and I can go on holidays. Therefore, my life is, is okay. 
Whereas for some people, they've experienced money does not fix life's big problems. And we're talking about things like relationships or health. And so when you put your trust and your faith in money, it can begin to lead to some serious problems, as opposed to putting our faith and trust in Jesus and then managing money, using money, money being a tool which we put to work for the kingdom, for these godly principles. I pick up something else. You pick that rich young ruler. Uh, it's not even a parable. It's, it's an account in the Bible. We've called this podcast, Where Your Treasure Is. And the full quote is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the rich young ruler, his treasure was his net worth, his wealth. And therefore, his heart was tied up with his possessions. His heart couldn't go with Jesus when Jesus challenged him because his treasure was money. And what we're going to try and do throughout this podcast is help people identify maybe when their treasure is the wrong thing. Money should never be the treasure. Money might be the means to getting treasure. And we'll have to explore that further. But money is never treasure. Does that make sense? That makes so much sense. And I think that whole concept you spoke about of the rich young dealer's value really being in his net worth was really interesting because so often we can even think, oh, we're not that attached to money, but actually I find security or identity in the place I live, in the car I drive, in the clothes I wear, in the phone I have. And actually we can think that perhaps that doesn't influence our view of money. And so I love the fact you expanded that to talk a bit more about all the ways that money can influence us. And what I found really helpful was when you talked about money being a tool. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? How can we make money really do our bidding rather than being controlled by it? Sure. So having worked as a financial advisor for many years now, often clients or prospective clients will come to me and I'll be asking them, what is it you want me to do for you? Why have you come to seek financial advice? And they will say things like, well, I, I want to make sure I'm not paying too much tax or I want to make sure I've got enough money. I, I want to make sure my money is invested so I get the highest return. And what is underlying to all those issues, people don't really just want money for money's sake. If you dig enough and say, well, you know what? It's really easy to pay no tax. Just give all your money away. Then you'll have no money to pay tax on. I, think, oh, I didn't mean that. No, I didn't think you did. But what did you mean? What they really mean is I want a certain lifestyle or I want a certain feeling, that feeling of security. Oh, to be honest, in many cases, what people want is for their friends and their neighbors and their colleagues to look at them and think that they must be doing all right. This concept of keeping up with the Joneses. Now, we often find ourselves making financial decisions based on those around us and trying to make a good impression, perhaps. What we don't know is what those people around us, those Joneses that we're competing with, are actually doing with their money. Have they got lots or have they borrowed lots? Are they making good choices? Are they making poor choices? Money is a tool. What we say is you've got money. You have to decide how you're going to use it, how you're going to prioritize it. And unless you know 
in your own life what your values are, what your priorities are, then it's really hard to use money wisely. So if I was to ask you, Bex, a really, really tough question, and we'll see if you can answer it kind of off the top of your head. And I said to you, Bex, what is your purpose in life? Would you be able to answer me? Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm going to have an existential crisis now. (laughs) I think one of my or a purpose in my life is to communicate with people. And I do that in a variety of ways. I do that through my job. I do that through my serving at church. But I think there's something within me that when I can capture an idea, when I can explain a kind of shared experience to people in a way that makes sense, that just makes me feel alive. And I feel like, oh, man, that's what God's created me to do. It's um, to communicate with people, to connect with them and to communicate some of his heart as well. Superb answer. So if I came to you one day and said, right, Bex, uh, I'm going to give you some money. You know, maybe you're going to work for me to get it or it's going to be a gift. I'm going to give you a chunk of money. And your job is to decide what to do with it. I'm just going to give you two choices. Choice number one is I want you to use that money to fulfill your purpose. I want you to communicate with people. I want you to fulfill that God-given gift that you believe you have to communicate with people, possibly about him or about other things. That's option one with this money. Option two with this money is I want you to go on holiday. I want you to enjoy some time off, some relaxation, a bit of sun, sand and beach, maybe. In that moment, you have a choice to make. How will I use the money? And if you're not clear on what your purpose is, the call of the world for possessions, for experiences, for image can make you effectively spend money on something that in years and years to come, you'll look back and go, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I had used my money on something that had much more value, that fulfilled my purpose. That's a huge topic. And we'll not get into it anytime soon, but we'll start to discuss how do we prioritize the use of money? Oh, I love that. I can't wait to talk about that further. Um, It reminds me of a bit of teaching I heard about how when we have vision, it can actually help us prevent waste because we're no longer frittering it away, um, but that we're focused on our goal. So I'm looking forward to coming back to talking about that more. And one of the things I've observed being around church for a while is that there are so many different approaches between different Christians and different churches towards money and wealth. So, for instance, you have people who take a vow of poverty and resolve that they have no personal possessions and that they will do whatever God's will is for their life and that um, he will provide for them. And then on the other end, we've got more of like the prosperity gospel of, well, I believe that God will bless me both health-wise and financially if I'm living in his will. And throughout the Bible, we see so many different concepts and lessons being brought out as well, from Paul talking about the love of money is the root of all evil, to the parable of talents, where the servant who doesn't invest the money but just leaves it as it is, is actually told off for that and told that they did not manage that money well. So with so many different thoughts, how on earth can we start navigating them and figuring out what we think about them? Where does one start on this massive topic? You're absolutely right. There's a principle that, Bex, you'll have heard, I've been taught through church about how we interpret the Bible. And we're going to extrapolate that into how we manage money. And it's this. Start with 
the simple and the basic understanding and apply that to the more complex issues. So don't get caught up and bogged down in the technical details, the really meaty issues, if you haven't first understood some of the basics. So what are the basics I think about in terms of a biblical attitude towards money? Number one, and I can't even remember where it's from. Someone will throw a verse at me, no problem here. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I think it's in the Psalms, okay? That speaks about... Everything we have, Bex, everything you have right now, everything I have right now, not just my money, but my clothes and where I live and my family, even my knowledge, my ability, my health, all of that is a gift from God. He is a generous and loving God. He doesn't just give us enough. He gives us vastly more than we actually need. So in that moment, I can look at my wealth. And what I do with it, with this concept of this is all God's stuff, what am I going to do with it? He's given it to me. He could take it away or he could give me even more. So in that moment, we come onto the concept I would call stewardship. And I'm so passionate about this concept of stewardship that I call my company Stewardship Wealth. And stewardship is the idea that you don't own something, you are managing it on behalf of somebody else. There's a parable about this. Uh, It's sometimes called the parable of stewardship or the parable of the shrewd manager. It is one of the most difficult parables in the Bible to understand. But as a basic concept around stewardship, God has given me some stuff and my job is to do with it what he would want me to do because one day he's going to ask me, Simon, what did you do with the stuff that I gave you? And am I going to be confident enough in that moment, standing before the throne and saying, God, I did this. And I think that's what you wanted. Now, in reality, we, we more often than not maybe fail at doing what God wants. But if I have that in the back of my mind, then more often I will do what God wants with his wealth. It's not my wealth. I don't own all this stuff. It's not my bank account. I am managing it for God. And I'm going to come to a third principle, which is then the trust and test principle. You mentioned this idea of a vow of poverty and you trust in God. He will provide all my needs. The Bible says God will provide all our needs. And absolutely for some people, I believe that God says to them, give it all up. Live a simple life and I will meet your needs. But he doesn't say it to everybody. I think for some people, he says, I will give you some stuff like the parable of the talents. I'm going to see how well you manage it, how well you use it, how well you steward it. And if you do a good job, I'll give you more. Not for your own sake, not as a reward, not as a prize. I'll give you more because you have proven yourself worthy and able to manage my resources, says God, I will give you more to manage. And in that moment, we're trusting in God's provision for us, and he is testing us on how we manage what he's given us. Such huge concepts, but with those foundational principles, it helps us address many issues that we face day by day, minute by minute, when we have money in our control, what do we do with it? And um, we'll dig into that so much more, Bex. 
I'm so looking forward to it. Those three principles are so helpful. And what I love about them is the way they encourage us to to lift our eyes to God. And actually, as we do that, sometimes we find that our kind of tight grip on our own possessions and our own money begins to loosen as we we look to the one who provides that for us. Absolutely. Um, This has been a wonderful conversation and I have so enjoyed looking at what money is and beginning to pull out some of those threads of what the Bible says about money. And we've covered a lot of ground already today. Is there one key point that you would love to highlight to our listeners around what is money as we begin to wrap up our conversation? I'm not going to answer the question about what is money. I'm going to say this. The Bible talks not so much about money as about worry. What I mean by that is if we worry about our finances, it means our focus is on the money. It's on the bills. It's on the debt. And those are big issues. If as a first little step, we can let go of some of our worry and instead turn to God, the one who provides, he's the one who has all the answers. He's the one who has all the wisdom. He's the one who has all the resources. And as we journey together, Bex, you and I and our listeners through this podcast, we might then be able to build some foundational principles about how to manage money better and potentially get ourselves out of some of the financial fixes we find ourselves in by being good users of money, good stewards of money. But the principle is look to the provider and then we and he will help you manage the money in a godly way. Fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that, Simon. I'm sure that we've all got lots to think about between this episode and the next one. And thank you to you listening and for joining us today. We would love this podcast to help you navigate some of those challenges that we've touched on today and to help you get to grips with money. So if you have any specific questions or feedback or comments, then we would love you to drop us an email. And the address to do that is where your treasure is at freerangepodcasting.co.uk. You can find all the information about this conversation and any links that we've talked about or Bible references that may be of interest in the show notes. But we are going to sign off for today. So it's been absolutely delightful to have this chat with you, Simon. Pleasure as always. Looking forward to the next one. And yeah, looking forward to talking about the next episode, which I think we're going to look a little bit more about what the Bible says about money. Yeah, we'll always try and bring a few Bible references in week on week. Sometimes it'll be more Bible focused, sometimes more finance focused. But a quick reminder, I'm a finance expert, not a Bible expert, not a theologian. So feel free to throw finance questions at me. If you're going to throw theology at me, I might pass it on to Bex and you can have a go. And if you want to avoid that conundrum, um, then please feel free to skip the theology questions. Thank you so much. And we will see you again next time. This podcast has been brought to you by Free Range Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.